UX of EdTech helps people design better ways to support learning. I'm your podcast host, Alicia Kwan, and I look forward to learning with you today. Today, I'm featuring Nicole Gallardo, founder and UX UI director of the program, Founders Who UX. This program is focused on helping founders design the right product before they invest lots of money in building the wrong thing. Nicole's experience in the startup and UX world spans nearly 20 years, which is why I had her on the podcast to talk about why UX work is important and valuable for edtech and education companies. We talk about the biggest barriers startups face in hiring UX support, the options they have, and what their next step should be. We also touch on what's next for UX of EdTech this year. I hope you enjoy our conversation and please reach out to us if you're looking to hire UX support. Check the show notes for ways to follow us further. I have been in the UX and the startup world for almost two decades now, but really ever since I was a child, I've always been intrigued by how design can just influence um, people and communities um, and like how it shapes societies and cultures. I've always thought of design as sort of like a universal language that I was learning how to speak. Um, I spent the first decade of my UX career mostly dedicated to big, bigger e-commerce brands. I was part of a UX task force for Sears. I then went on to lead several design tracks for Sapient, which is a large um, global digital agency. I led um, some of the work for the Target, Target.com redesign, um, John Deere and AARP. And then I eventually went on to um, lead a digital team there for Chrysler. And during these years, you know, I also took my first stab at entrepreneurship. I bootstrapped my first startup on the side. Um, eventually, I think uh, like many people at some point in their career, I, I went searching for more of a work-life balance and I ended up joining the digital team at Norwegian Cruise Line. At, at NCL, I focused on helping them establish a lot of their first, so like first set of UX best practices, first global module system, uh, first responsive booking engine. And I learned a lot there. I learned how to communicate design to important stakeholders um, and executives, basically like speaking business for the first time. And then here is also where I got really excited about just the potential of what UX could do at a massive scale. Like I got to experience the R- what you know an ROI in UX firsthand. And by this time, you know, I'd spent 10 years gaining experience as a, as a woman in the industry, as a designer, as a founder, building teams, um, designing for clients, leading projects. And I saw it from many angles, from the agency side, from the startup side, from my own startup, and from a, from a corporate team. During that, that time, I identified some major problems with the traditional client agency model. So a lot of the problems I saw were related to communication, culture, and just overall project structure. So between around 2012, 2014, I, I made the transition to working 100% as you know a solo entrepreneur. And I co-founded Gairo Labs with my husband, which is a remote design agency that's essentially anti-fluff, which means we cut out all the unnecessary. So we have very lean teams, we're very low overhead, and just no inflated deliverables. And here, you know, here at Gallardo Labs, I'm devoted to helping business leaders basically reach their goals with UX. And that 
happens in a lot of different ways. But because of my personal experiences, I also am probably overly focused on building a culture, an agency culture that's really inclusive and diverse, especially for women and parents. Um, a few years ago, as you know, I started to get really passionate about how the power of UX can help education and, and specifically EdTech. That's, this is what actually led me to discovering you, Alicia, and UX of EdTech, because you know, being a mom of three and a, a, a UX professional, I started to challenge our school district about the, the products and companies that they were spending multi-millions on each year. And I actually read an article of yours during this research for a strategy project I was doing with the CTO. And ever since then, I've just been very committed to being more of an advocate for EdTech, you know, with the lens of this UX design profession. And then, you know, most recently I've taken another pivot into launching a new company, which has been years in the making, uh, it's Founders Who UX. And I'm honestly more excited, more excited about the projected impact of Founders of UX than anything I've ever worked on before. I sort of feel like everything I've experienced in my career, good and bad, has been so I could eventually do this. Yeah, I don't think you're alone with looking more closely at what your your kids are using in terms of digital tools, especially during the the pandemic, taking a closer look. So um, that's, I know that's a whole nother conversation, but I'd love to yeah. chat with you about that sometime. Um, and, and so founders who UX, mm-hmm. can you tell me, tell me more about that? Sure. Sure. It's a, it's a UX UI design program that I designed for founders and their team. So it's a four week, more immersive, like bootcamp style program that teaches startups in tech, how to design the right product for the right people. Ultimately, um, so they don't waste a lot of money, you know, designing, building the wrong thing. The, the program is live and it's all virtual. Um, right now I'm working with just one startup team at a time. So it's very exclusive and more like one-on-one, me with, with one team. So it's not a, it's not a cohort or a, a large session. It's just completely customized um, and I'm dedicating, dedicating my time to each company. Um, my goal with Founders Who UX is to basically transfer my head full of experiences and expertise in UX to founders so that they can be about, you know, the same two decades ahead of the competition when it comes to user-centered design thinking. And this is especially powerful when you think about what that means for women founders who have all the odds stacked against them. Um, you know, the program, it's I'll be leading them through customized workshops, team workshops, um, one-on-one coaching sessions, and a lot of personalized tasks. And the goal is to give them all the tools and methods and processes that that a lot of teams, like even very experienced teams, take take decades to learn. And you said the term boot camp. And normally, you know, when we think of boot camp, we think of people who are changing careers or, you know, trying to get into the industry, but you mean it towards the founding team, helping them learn and understand and take on a UX mindset. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the truth is, and what I've seen in my, my research and in my experiences is that most founders already possess a lot of the skills that take, would, allow them to be successful in UX. They, they hold a lot of these soft skills 
um, this sort of like UX mentality. And then all they need to be truly successful at implementing it are are the tools and the methods and, and the process, like the practice part of it. So that's my intention with, with the program. And this is somewhat of a pivot from what you were doing before. Um, and, you know, I'm just processing your your deep and wide experience that you've had. Um, why did you want to do this now? You know, why did you want to start Founders Who UX? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so at Gallardo Labs, you know, I get to partner with some really large organizations. Um, but the ones where I've felt like we've been able to make the biggest impact and that I felt were also in the most need for good UX were the startups. I had the I have this insane desire to help more of them because number one, I, I just relate to founders um, so much more than any other type of client. Like I understand their sacrifices and struggles especially those that are that are women and parents, um, the founders and myself, we share the same value of a dollar. But business-wise, from an agency, um, I just cannot, I can never make it feasible to partner with them longer term. So even though our agency model is no fluff, we already have extremely small profit margins and like much lower prices than our competitors. But even for us to provide st- early stage startups with UX within the budgets that you know that are afforded to them at that point in time, we would literally be losing money per initiative. So this is a huge problem overall in the startup ecosystem that I, I know I even I listened to the last episode you had with Jessica Millstone and you touched on this a bit with her, but it's just that good UX is not accessible to early stage founders. And, you know, because of that, these founders with all these fantastic ideas are designing without the tools and the mentality needed to make the end product succeed. And that's, that's really like the problem that I'm trying to solve or that I, that, that made me curious about how could I solve that? How can I make good UX accessible to early stage founders? Um, I also, during the pandemic, I, I think like many people, I did so much reflecting on my career, on my family, on my life goals and mission. And I realized a few things. I mean, I realized that I have all this knowledge and all these experiences in my brain that can help others and that should be used to help others. And so one of the things I wanted to do was to start sharing and teaching and mentoring others in UX, especially other founders who are like building products that I really believe in. And then as the the CEO of Gallardo Labs, I I also realized I had become so focused on sales and and their team culture, you know, building an agency and building a team that I really drifted away. This is more of a personal note. I drifted away from what I love most, which is UX design. And um, I think one of the third things that's how, you know, this fits into more of the vision of why I'm doing this is I really want to lean more into me being a woman founder, a woman UX designer, a woman in tech, whichever tag you want to add, because I spent my, I feel like I spent my entire career trying to fit into more of a man's version of it. So I decided with Founders Who UX, um, and I would create a more of a world where I could use these skills and these experiences to support other women and other, other founders succeed. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot that you said there, and um, I love how you discovered the the problem just based on your previous work, and then this the solution that you're offering. Um, 
it's it's amazing and it's something that like you said i think is is really needed and will bring a lot of impact um to to the teams that have these these solid ideas and helping them um build something to also be able to receive um, more investment into it, right? Proving that their idea is legitimate. I, I think that's part of what you're doing in that month that you work with them, right? Exactly. Yeah. A huge benefit to to understanding UX and instilling that practice in a startup is minimizing the risk. So minimizing the risk of the founders and the, the team, the founding team, but minimizing the risk for the investors. So if a... Um, the competition is so fierce for startups to get funded. I think I read something the other day. Um, I think it was in TechCrunch tech that said one in 2,000 uh, startups that get presented to VCs, only one in 2,000 get funded. So the, the chances are so slim. And that's not even taking account you know, the gender gap, which is makes it even far more drastic for, for women. So if a founder can come to investors saying, hey, I did this program, um, my team and I are equipped with these tools and processes that basically validate our product and our assumptions, then that is going to stand out to the investors. That's, that's, the, that's the goal. And you're, you're talking about this already, but to kind of get at the heart of our episode, why do you think UX is important and valuable for specifically education in ed tech startups. And, and I think you, you know, you already started answering that mm-hmm. um, in some of your story and the reason why you want to work um, in this space. But mm-hmm. yeah, why, why is it important? Yeah, so UX uh, is, is critical for all startups, right? It, it helps tech founders in every industry get their, get their design, um, their product designed right the first time instead of burning through these early funds, trying to rework something that was designed wrong. But with EdTech, having that um, UX foundation as a founder and, and as a founding team, it's it's not just important in my mind, but I, I would argue that it's like an ethical responsibility for this industry because we're, if you think about it, we're designing products that are literally shaping the minds of our children. It's crazy. Uh, to put that much weight on it, but it's true, but we're, we're directly affecting, you know, the future of society and in our kids. So for that reason, I can't think of any industry that UX is more important for than ed tech. And, you know, also one of the most powerful parts of UX is, is validating our assumptions. So assumptions are what we think we know about the users we design for, but don't have the actual data to back it up. So since the amount of user types we need to design for an ed tech literally spans, you know, communities across every age range, age range, culture, location, background, you name it, um, it makes validating those assumptions uh, a non-negotiable because as you know, Alicia, you're, you're an UX professional yourself, but unvalidated assumptions are, are kind of like a, a cancer for your business, right? They turn more dangerous with time as the team forgets about their unsure origin, and then they start to rely on them as facts when making major design design decisions down the road. This is um, turning into one of those episodes where you know I would want to listen to it multiple times. I think people are going to want to listen to it multiple times because you have so many good 
um, <laughs> good thoughts that you're sharing and, and things to really chew on and process like, huh? Yeah. Things to think about deeply. Um, but when it comes to that, um, do you have any stories that come to mind about, um, UX work, maybe not being prioritized. And so there's, um, some consequences to that that happened, um, with a company or maybe even stories of success. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the, this might be an easy out, (laughs) but, uh, as I mentioned, one of the first UX jobs I had was at Sears. Uh, and I got to experience, uh, you know, from the inside, what it's like trying to save a hundred year old company with, with UX. Uh, they spent millions on, on this team and it was very well organized, but it was a little late, right? Uh, I think we all know how Sears has been doing. And so this, in my mind, is kind of like an ultimate example of UX not being implemented in time and then what that looks like on a large scale. Granted, there are many other factors in play, but that was definitely a big one. And and I know it's tricky to when you start to compare a large or older organization with, with new ones because it's basically comes down to like the speed of adoption and adaptability. So it's much easier to reroute a scooter <laughs> than it is to reroute a freight train, right? Um, in my opinion, Sears made the move to be more user-centered way too late. And then now, because they waited so late, they're trying to reposition and modernize like an entire brand image, not just redesign a, pro- a product. Um, so that's, you know, that's, some, that's something that always comes to mind when I think about waiting too late. <laughs> that's like a, that's a big one. <laughs> and I think for when it comes to success. Um, we ha- I ha- So we worked recently with a startup. It's not in ed tech, but it was in parent tech. It's for a startup called ByHeart. And um, the, we were asked to design a platform. Um, this is for, for Gallardo Labs. We were asked to design a social media platform that was for new parents um, to help support them with feeding. Anyways, this platform was part of a larger launch strategy. So we, we focus a lot of our UX efforts on driving a high sign-up rate. And as a, as a startup, they were funded. Um, so they were a funded startup. But as a startup, they invested a lot in UX. And they tried to really wrap, wrap their um, whole team around the mentality of, you know, the value of UX and, and really trying to believe in the process. And, and it showed, I mean, we were... And just to give you an example, an average sign-up rate for a new um, product like that, a new platform like that, is between two two to five percent, and we reached a sign-up rate of thirty-one point seven percent on day one. And then that platform also helped them raise ninety, I think it was ninety million, in um, I think a Series B round. But it's just a really good example of investing in early X early on, you know, UX, sorry, early on and, and it paying off. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think anyone would argue that UX is important, you know, from a high level conceptual theoretical standpoint, or probably few people would. Um, but there are challenges and barriers. There's a reason why it's maybe not prioritized early. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say are the biggest barriers to startups specifically hiring UX support. I know you talked about, you've mentioned that UX is not accessible um, in many ways to, to this group. And so 
wondering your thoughts around that. Yeah, when I think of barriers, I think of two major ones. Um, as I mentioned, like as you said, the lack of accessibility early stage. And I guess to break that down more, it's if you think about hiring a senior designer full time, it's between you know one twenty and two hundred thousand, depending on where you live, maybe even higher. Um, hiring a, a reputable UX agency to de- just design their product will start around that price and go higher. So if a startup has raised you know two fifty or five hundred k from friends and family or just from from angel investors, they can't afford to spend nearly all of it on just UX UI design. That would be like their whole budget. <laughs> so that, and that doesn't even include development. So. Funding, uh, and again, especially for women who receive only 2% of the the bigger money, is, in my opinion, the biggest barrier. Um, And these founders who, you know, who are building something with such limited funds, they need to make, they need to make assumptions about the users in their market. So those assumptions I was talking about, that's, that's what they're forced to do, because they're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place there. Um, But yeah, UX just this feels out of reach at that stage. Uh, and the second barrier, I would say, is more of more of a mindset. So, in order for UX design to be practiced successfully, and for companies to really of any size, big or small, to reap its full rewards, it requires the team running it um, to be able to admit that they don't hold all the answers. So, for a startup, that's the founding team. And Alicia, you're a founder and I'm a founder. So I think we understand, we really understand how difficult it is to admit this at times. Um, it's like it's like when someone tries to tell you, you know, how to parent your child. It feels unnatural, but like with your kids, you know, professional opinions help during very critical times. So I think there's no more critical time to follow professional guidance or, or recommendations than at than at launch or like at your kid's birth. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great analogy, actually. That's yeah. that's a really good one. Um, so money and mindset being, yeah, two of the biggest barriers. Um, so on the flip side, if founders are interested in hiring UX support, what should their next steps be given those, you know, barriers in mind? Um, you know, what options do they have? What kind of support is out there that you've seen? Yeah, I'm glad that you asked this because I'm. It's been on my mind as well. I, I'm actually writing a blog post about this. I think I'm going to publish it next week. I'm polishing it up right now. But in the, I'm, I'm in the post. I'm sort of elaborating on three main ideas that are like alternate ideas for early stage founders to get that support. Um, one is you know contract a part time. Uh, expert UX UI designer or or small team who that has you know solid references and an impressive um, explanation of of their craft but uh, I say contract because this person can deliver or this team can deliver higher quality work in just a fraction of the time that a junior designer would take so their rates may be higher but they'll bill less hours so if, the, if founders go this route, they just need to be clear that they ha- they have to be upfront about budget and timeline to make sure expectations are are clear on both sides. That's one idea. The second idea would be 
hiring a less experienced UX designer, so more of a junior designer, but then invest in like a personal um, UX UI training course for them and the team. So like what I've developed with Founders Who UX, something like that. So it's cheaper to go this route. Um, it's probably cheaper. It's less risky than hiring a, a big agency or um, trying to hire a full-time expert designer. But And then plus, if you're investing in your team, you're, you're cultivating a really desirable work culture and you're helping improve someone's career. So it's a win-win there. And then the, the third one is more just... Um, more of a route to finding alternate alternate uh, support. And that's, I, I think founders and can reach out to people who work at UX boot camps. So I, or mentor, who mentor at places or work at boot camps or at colleges and ask them for references, designer references. So I, I myself work at Avo Academy, which is a, a UX boot camp. And I talk to dozens of UX students each month who are so passionate about their career. And I can usually tell early on which ones are ready to add value to a team like immediately after graduation. And then would I would be happy, more than happy to connect the dots to help them find their first job. And I know many other mentors who work in other boot camps and in colleges and you know, in other mentor programs, they would say the same, that they would be happy to connect the dots. So it's more about like looking for um, that alternative places, even like communities like what you have built at UX of EdTech, Alicia. It's just a great place to find um, UX practitioners that are, are wanting to do good and wanting to work for good companies in EdTech. I actually have a question for you about that. <laughs> Speaking of okay. community. Um, okay. Can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> sure. Because you were one of the first people to shine a light on, for me, um, the importance of UX in EdTech. And I'm just wondering, you know, I'm part of the community and I'm very happy to be um, seeing it grow. But uh, do you have any plans for like what's next for it? Uh, I know that you have Slack and LinkedIn, but just curious. <laughs> yeah, um, I think. One of the big things that I've been thinking about and I just kind of see in our feedback over and over again is at the end of the day, people want to get connected to jobs and opportunities, um, actual work. And, you know, a, lar a large part of what we've done so far is thinking about how to equip people. So offering resources, you know, offering these podcast conversations. Um, we have the article publication. We have events. Um, so those are all um, very important things. Um, but I think the, the piece that's, that's really been missing is, um, even further connection to, um, to jobs. And, and we do have that. We have, you know, we post job roundups, um, at least on a monthly basis of UX roles that are in education and ed tech companies. So that's on LinkedIn if anyone's interested, but, um, yeah, thinking about even a, a wide variety. So, you know, of course, there's the typical full-time role that might be open um, and connecting the dots there. Um, but it could be that someone is trying to switch up industry. Maybe it's a, a designer who has been in another industry and, you know, over time they've grown more interested in education, kind of like yourself, and want to um, have impact in that space. And so maybe they're, they're trying to freelance a little bit or eventually, um, switch over. 
Um, and then there's, of course, people that are just starting out in their careers, um, former teachers. Um, I definitely have, you know, soft spot for people in that in that place, too, because that's my background um, and trying to help them find their their first role as well. Um, so, yeah, we are um, we're in the process of figuring out ways to do that, um, which means that, yeah, for people listening, um, if you're interested in exploring opportunities to just get plugged in. Um, and be on the lookout for things that are coming up this year, um, probably. And then I'd say too, if um, you know, to our kind of back to our original question about what are next steps for founders, I would say you know to reach out as well. And um, if you're hiring, um, you're looking for mission-driven people in UX um, that that would really care about what you're trying to do um, and have you know a wide variety of experience. So, you know, it's I, I'm connected to people that are are fresh, that maybe are more emerging designers, um, and then also people that are very um, seasoned and, and senior and um, also have a desire to, to work in this space. So, yeah, I think we're just trying to, there's lots of people out there. And, and so really, it's, it's trying to make connections, if I could, yeah. I guess, summarize that is getting people connected to opportunities and, and to one another. And, and our community is focused on UX um, practitioners, but I would say that we welcome, you know, other disciplines. We welcome educators. We welcome founders, people that anyone trying to um, apply a UX mindset to what they're they're working on and they want to grow in that. Um, so, you know, we have PMs in our community too. So um, yeah, I think given the wide variety of people interested in creating a good user experience, right, for, for education. Um, I think we're trying to get people more connected. That, that's a little bit of what I think we're, we're going to do this year. That's, that's a good question. <laughs> no, that's exciting because, yeah, I think that's one of the most lovely things about this intersection, right, of, of UX and of EdTech is that I, I have experiences is everyone is just so eager to help and to make things better. I mean, what better cause <laughs> that we're all working towards. So this, uh, there's a lot of people just like you said, and like I mentioned, just trying to connect the dots, right. And, and connect people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, so Nicole, do you have any parting words of advice? So maybe both for founders working with UX practitioners, their, their UX support and even vice versa. Um, from the, the UX um, practitioner standpoint? Sure. Um, for founders, I, I would say that while, while it's important to trust in your UX practitioner's expertise, I would also argue that it's equally important um, to understand the process and the practice yourself I know founders wear a lot of hats, but UX is one hat that they definitely want to wear. It it sort of um, it bleeds into every every aspect of running a business, in my opinion. So learning UX is um, you know once you have it, it's it's just impossible to lose it. So um, I would say yeah, it sticks with you. So if you can if you can learn the practice and just learn those hard skills that you you have um, help in so many other facets of, of entrepreneurship, far beyond just designing the product. And, and for your startup as well, like if you know um, UX, if you know how to run the, a UX practice, 
that sort of mentality um, it usually comes from the top down in organizations. So that sort of mentality is just going to help your team and going to help your company as you grow. Um, yeah, and and for designers, I would say is more of a tactical uh, advice for them is. Just be sure to define your, <laughs> this is going to sound, sound silly, but it's very important. Um, define your, your goals and your KPIs before every initiative. I know I've, many designers like hate to, hate to do this um, from what I've seen, but um, the reason I say that this is so important is because when you're a designer working with a startup, especially early stage founding team, the data is so important um, because without it, you know, passionate opinions start, can start to cloud the process. And, and whenever that happens, um, just go refer back to the data, refer back to the, what the users are saying, refer back to like the analytics and, and track your process. So if you have that, um, then there's no need to have like opinionated debates. It's really like this is, you know, this is the source of truth. Um, and, it, and it cuts out a lot of um, sort of the, the cloudiness around what the UX process could be. That's really good advice. I love that. That's really good. Um, I imagine people are going to want to connect with you or follow you, continue, you know, getting to know what you do. Um, how can people follow your work? And, and I know that you write a lot as well. I love your blog articles. Um, they're always, I'm always taking away something to think about and chew on for later. Um, and I, I, always, I think that's a, a good sign of, of writing when you think about it weeks later. You know, I, I've thought about things that you've written. So yeah, how can people follow your work? Thanks, Alicia. Yeah, so they can connect with me on LinkedIn. So Nicole Gallardo, G-A-L-L-A-R-D-O. Um, the website, so Founders Who UX is is up right now there's just a landing page right now and it's the full website with all the details and the whole story and a full application process is launching by the end of february and i'm also on twitter i'm fairly new to twitter with founders who ux but i have a lot to say so i've been tweeting <laughs> tweeting my heart out there and on medium as well um, on medium as alicia said i have i post a lot of articles on there uh, also um, at nicole Gallardo. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in hiring UX support, please reach out to us. And if you're interested in growing in your understanding of UX in the tech space, we offer a number of resources that could help, including articles, a community Slack, and learning events. There are two main ways to access that, our LinkedIn page and our free newsletter. Check the show notes for ways to connect. This episode's theme music is by the band Sleep Still. UX of EdTech helps people design better ways to support learning. I'm your host, Alicia Kwan, and I look forward to learning with you next time.